Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 3rd, and our chapter for today is Colossians chapter 4. Well, Paul is wrapping it up. He has shared with them who Jesus is, his preeminence, all that he could say in short sentences in writing to the Colossians about how great our God is and how God manifested himself, became real to us, yes, where we could touch him, where we could sense him. That's what he did in the first century with those apostles. That's why John said, we have seen him with our eyes. We have touched him. We have felt him. We have, with our sensory perception, we have come to know who he is. That's First John chapter 1. Read it and take along with you a Greek commentary, and you will see that those words are sensory words. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Colossians. Jesus is truly all God, yes, but he is fully 100% man, yet without a sin nature. And he came as Adam and lived a perfect life in obedience to God in a sin-cursed world where everyone around him, including his parents, his brothers, everyone, the very best of that day, were still fallen, cursed creatures. But Jesus came, and unlike Adam, lived in perfect obedience to his father, that he could present himself a perfect sacrifice, complete, whole, having walked in complete obedience to the father as a lamb without spot or blemish. And now the apostle Paul has just finished up what it means to live in the fullness of God's spirit. That is being filled with the word of God, the word of God and the spirit of God are hand in hand in working in our lives. The Spirit of God within us teaches us the true meaning of what the Scriptures say. And without the enlightenment and the illumination of the Spirit of God, we could not understand the Bible. And this is why you can study it as literature all you want to. But unless the Spirit of God opens up your heart and opens up your mind, even though their life in those words, they fall on barren soil. And so Paul has wrapped up about that and how it affects every area of our lives personally and worship and our walk with God, our attitude of gratitude. Then he talks about how it affects the relationship between a husband and a wife outside of the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit and the divine enablement and the richness of the fullness of the Word of God. No couple, even those who have truly been saved without the fullness of God's Spirit, men cannot lead as they should lead, love their wives as they should love their wives. Women cannot submit and get in their proper role and do that with a spirit of reverence and respect without divine enablement. 
And any man and any woman who are honest with themselves, who are followers of Jesus, they will tell you the very same thing. It's not a matter of leading with your teeth gritted. It's not a matter of following with your teeth gritted and with a sense of have to. The only way that we can do it filled with God's spirit with an attitude of gratitude is to be in the word continually and allowing God's spirit to fill us. And so the apostle Paul talks about that. Then he talks about parenting in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. And then he talks about how that our walk with God affects how we live in the marketplace. You see, the early believers and followers of Jesus of that first century, they continued to live. There was no such thing as such of the professional clergy, but they lived, they worked. Yes, they had support later on, like the Apostle Paul and his journeys. Yes, later on, Paul said, as we establish this church, there are some that are going to need to give themselves full time and devote themselves full time to the carrying on of the word. But even the Apostle Paul had his own business. He was a tent maker like his father, and he had been taught as a young man how to do that. He had educated himself so that he could make a living and not be dependent upon anyone. Like, for example, at Corinth, so that he could work and not be a burden to the church. And so he comes to chapter four after summing it all up and saying, this is the way we should live. He says to them, this is what I want you to do. He said in verse two of chapter four, this is where the chapter break actually is. Chapter four and verse one goes with the preceding thought. And so he begins, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, that is watching, in it with thanksgiving, watching in what? In prayer. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open to us a door of the word so that we could speak the mysterion, the mystery of Christ. And we've talked about the mystery of Christ, his incarnation, the relationship between Jesus, the church and Israel, and how that was a mysterion. And then the mystery of the rapture, the taking away of the saints, all of these things were hidden in the heart of God that God revealed through the Apostle Paul. And so he says that we might speak the word of God, the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in change. Paul said, I am a prisoner. Let's not forget where he was writing to the Colossians from, and that was prison. May I make it manifest. May I make it clear, bold, as I ought to speak. Now, let's just take those a couple of verses there. Paul says, he gives a command. He said, I want you to continue earnestly in prayer is the way it's translated. And so prayer is the object here. He said, I have told you how to live. Now I want to talk to you personally about your walk with God and how you and I relate. He said, you need to be praying for me. And he said that and couched that in present tense. That is, he's saying, you need to continually do this. So he said, I need you to pray. I need you to be watchful in that prayer with an attitude of gratitude. Then he tells them what to pray for. But let's not hurry by that. He said, 
I am commanding you to pray. And you are to do this with great fervency. You are to be watchful in prayer. You see, as we pray and seek the face of God with an open Bible in front of us, God instructs us how to pray. And we pray back to him the words of Scripture. This is why I have told you over and over again, in the West, we have a tendency to just get a list out and go to God and start asking God to bless this one, bless that one, heal this one, heal that one. All that's okay. All of that is good. All of that I'm not saying is in any wise out of line. We need to continue to do that. But prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is communication. And in the two-way communication between God and man, the most important one to speak is God. And he does that through the Bible. As we are going through this 365 Bible reading plan, I pray that God has spoken to your heart. And as he speaks to us, he speaks truth to us. He speaks clarity to us. He gives us direction and clarity in a general and culture that is devoid of moral clarity. As a matter of fact, the only thing we have clarity on in our generation from the worldly perspective is immoral, is amoral, because the world no longer has a Judeo-Biblical Christian value system. Certainly that is true in America. There are spots around the world where this is true. But as Americans, we have lost that Judeo-Christian value system, and uh, we don't have the values of the Bible. And because of that, our nation is drowning in its own secularism, and darkness has encompassed us. And now all of a sudden, the sun has now set, and we are in that twilight period just before the darkest night. And so the only way we can have light and the only way we can have direction is through the Word of God. And so he said, Get in the Word of God so that you can watch with an attitude of gratitude. Don't be complaining and griping about the age and the day and the hour in which God has planned us. Oh, I wish we were back in this day, that day. Get over that. We're not called to live in a world that we would hope it would be, that we wish it would be, that we would dream for. We are living in a world where God has sovereignly set us down and said, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I want you to be a witness in a dark and decaying culture, in a sinful and perverse generation, just like the generation into which the Lord Jesus came, where even the religious nature of things was twisted. It was perverted. It was out of line, and Jesus came to set that straight, and he came to be light in a dark age. That's what he calls us to be. And so he says, I want you to pray with an attitude of gratitude that God would do some things for us. Number one, open a door. The book of Revelation says God can open a door that no man can shut. He can shut a door that no man can open. And many times we pray and we seek God's face and God gives us direction and he opens a door and we don't walk through it because oh, we're timid. We're afraid. We don't want to trust him. Listen, God knows the end from the beginning. We can trust him. And by the way, he has has proven himself to be faithful to us. He has never led us wrongly. We might have missed his will, but when God opens the door, no man can shut it. And ask God to help you to have discernment about that. 
And then he said, walk in wisdom. There again, that is, you yourself have to discipline yourself and make proper choices. I have to discipline myself and make proper choices about where we live, what we say, how we think, what we eat, where we go. All of these things are important. Why? Because we don't belong to ourselves. We have been bought out of the marketplace of sin. And that's why when he comes to chapter 5, and after he said, pray with thanksgiving for us that we would make clear the mysterion, the mystery of Christ, even if we are not in the best of circumstances like I am not in chains in prison, he said, pray that I'll make it clear to everyone. And so he said, we need to walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside. He's talking about those who are not followers of Jesus, who are examining and pouring over our lives, how we talk, how we treat people, how we live. If there's ever a day that we needed to live as separate and godly and people that are walking with an attitude of gratitude different from everybody else that's moaning and groaning and complaining and griping about how we are in a horrible place. You don't see that kind of thing in the New Testament from the disciples and the apostles unless it's rebuked. And the reason is people need to hear us and see us living different and talking different than the rest of the world. So he said, you need to be careful about how you live, because people are constantly examining our lives. And he said, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. People say, well, I just give the same answers every time to everybody. Well, then you need to read the Bible again, because you see, with some people, you don't say things that you would say to others. Not that you're a hypocrite and talking out of both sides of your mouth, but just like we don't approach our children the same way, if we do, then we're missing the boat because every person is unique in the eyes of God. And we need to learn who people are and how they respond. And so this is true in the workplace. It's true in our homes. It's true in our own lives. We're all not cookie cutters. God made us as individuals, and he has gifted each one of us who are his followers. And so he said, be careful how you answer people. As a matter of fact, Jude, the writer of the book of Jude, whom I believe is the half-brother of Jesus, like James was, He said, with some, you need to snatch them from the fire like a burning coal or ember. But others, you need to speak more grace to. Why? Because uh, some people, you have to knock them in the head to get their attention. I don't mean literally. Don't go out and knock somebody in the head. But you have to speak more clearly to someone. Why? Because that's what they respond to. But others, you have to meticulously speak to them and more carefully speak to them because they've been wounded, they've been hurt, they have seen all kinds or experienced all kinds of ungodliness from those who name the name of Christ. And so Paul said you need to have wisdom, divine perspective in how you speak to one another. But we must, he said, speak with clarity the words of God. And I have said it over and over again, many of my brethren Many pastor friends that I know, they have mastered the art of almost 
saying something. They'll get right up to it, but they just cannot pull themselves away from the fear of what man might say, of what this person that gives a lot in their congregation, or what this prominent family might say, or how this might work down at the coffee house. Listen, men of God, women of God, please hear me. This is a day for clarity. Yes, we need to be wise in how we speak, but men of God standing in the pulpit, you need to speak the truth boldly. Yes, lovingly, but let's not back up this generation of darkness. They're feeling themselves around in darkness. They're crawling around trying to find the door. Let's help them to understand that Jesus is the door. He is the only way. And as we have opportunity to speak the truth, in love and speak it clearly, then we need to speak clearly. And when it comes to political things, speak clearly based upon not some party platform, but based upon the words of God and speak that to the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the red, the yellow, whatever ethnicity, whatever background, we need to herald the truth of God and proclaim the good news of Jesus that every one of us, every one of us are sinners and we desperately need God, that no man can work his way to God. No man is righteous. There is none righteous, no, not one. And we need to speak the truth. We need to be salt, seasoning, a preservative, light in the dark place. Jesus has said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If we're not light and we're not salt, who's going to be? These are the admonitions of the Apostle Paul. Pray without ceasing. Watch in that prayer with great wisdom that God would give you perspective. Don't give up and pray for the workers. Yes, we're all ministers of Jesus, but those who are on the front lines have a different attitude than those maybe that are back where the bullets are not flying. We need to pray for those men and women of God that are on the front lines, that they would have courage to stand in a day of darkness. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.